Welcome back to Living Richer. Let me ask you a question. When you hear the word budget, do you automatically cringe like it's a four-letter word? Well, I'm here to tell you it's not. And in fact, having a budget, a detailed spending plan, is probably the most effective and arguably the quickest way to make your money goals a reality. And whether your goal is to get out of debt, build an emergency fund, save for retirement, or you know, if you're like most people, you've got several goals that you're working towards, then you really do need a budget. And by the way, if you do get turned off by the idea of a budget, simply don't call it that. I know a lot of people have these preconceived notions about budgets. Well, why don't we call it a spending strategy or fiscal governance? But regardless of what you want to call it, don't think of it as limiting your freedom. Having a cash flow plan, actually, that's a pretty good one to call it, actually gives you the freedom to spend money and it makes your money go further. So regardless of whether you're just starting out or if you're already in retirement, a budget puts you firmly in control of your finances and it sets you on the path to achieving your goals. Ready to learn more? Let's get to it. Welcome to Living Richer with Mark Shimkovitz, Vice President at Raymond James Private Client Group, one of Canada's largest independent investment firms. In this podcast, he'll share with you the things you need to know and things you need to do to build a smart financial plan. Follow along with Mark and learn how to invest wisely, avoid financial mistakes, and navigate life's curveballs without fear. Now, let's get started. Hey everyone, so welcome back to Living Richer, and as always, I'm your host, Mark Shimkovitz. In the first few episodes, we talked about the first two Ds of the financial planning process, discover and then design. In today's episode, we're going to go into a little bit more depth um, on one of the more important facets of the financial plan, and that's controlling the flow of your money so that it aligns with your priorities, the things that mean most to you. I guess you can say it's about ensuring that your means have meaning. And be sure to listen to the end of this podcast where I provide you with my three key takeaways on how to ensure that you put together a plan that truly works for you. What I want to do today is take you through a fairly simple strategy on how to create and follow a spending plan. In other words, creating a budget. It's one of those topics that's at the core of financial literacy. And, you know, lack of financial literacy is probably the main reason why so many people have a ton of debt or why so many people never achieve the financial goals that they set out for themselves in life. Nobody sets out to put themselves in financial turmoil or not achieve what they want. They just don't have the tools and the knowledge. And as an aside, and I don't want to go into go too far off track, I for one was absolutely thrilled when the province of Ontario here in Canada started to make financial literacy part of the education curriculum. I think that was long overdue. I believe that knowledge is power. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. I wanted to put together easy to understand information about finance and investing that people can listen to and you know hopefully learn from. Even if you've got a great financial advisor that you trust, it's really important for you to be educated and knowledgeable about what it is you're trying to achieve and how best to go about doing that. Okay, so let's talk about budgeting. 
Today, I'm going to take you through exactly what you need to know and what you need to do to create a budget that works. And if, by the way, you've already done one, that's fantastic. But keep listening because the approach that I take might be a little bit different than what you're doing. And even if you want to continue doing it the way you are, hopefully you'll be able to get some tips that will make it work even better. The number one rule in financial planning is pretty basic, right? Spend less than you earn. Makes sense. But let me throw this out at you. Have you ever looked at your finances and thought, okay, things are a little tight right now and I, I can't seem to save enough money, but when I get the next pay raise, I'll be in great shape. And then you get that next pay raise, but you don't seem to have enough cash or don't seem to have any more cash, I should say, than you did before. Well, that's called lifestyle creep. And it's very common. Your pay goes up and sometimes without even being conscious of it, your lifestyle creeps up to meet that extra cash flow. I mean, look, we're not talking about the big things like nicer car, nicer trip, or larger home because that's definitely part of it. But oftentimes it's the small things that really start to uh, add up. Eating out more often, spending a bit more freely on clothing, on entertainment, stuff we don't even really think about. It's human nature that as income goes up, our expenses tend to expand. We believe that as we make more money, we'll be able to make up for the debts we've accumulated or the shortfalls in savings. But what happens more often than not is that we make more money, we start spending more. So instead of saving more, the debt that we've had before continues to grow. It creates a vicious circle. Now, don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with upgrading the things in your life. They just need to be accounted for within your budget and within the rank of your priorities. In fact, having and sticking to a budget is one of the most effective strategies you can put in place to build your wealth. Yet, if given the choice between a budget and getting dental work, my guess is more people would actually rather get root canal. According, in fact, to the uh, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, only 46% of Canadians have a budget in place for household spending. Why do you think that is? I mean, maybe it's because they don't know where to start. We're definitely going to fix that today. Maybe it seems like it's too much work. I can tell you it's not. Or maybe people avoid making a budget because they're scared. They're scared of facing what they know they'll see or of the issues that might be uncovered. Trust me, I've been there myself. I can tell you from a personal level as well as from an experienced financial advisor, ignoring it is certainly not bliss. See, when I graduated from university, I decided to go into the restaurant business. I was an entrepreneur at heart, and I still am, and I love to cook. Well, I actually still do. So I thought it would be a winning combination, and it was, actually, for a little while. I was making really good money with the, this first restaurant I had, and I was also spending it just as quickly. After a couple of years with that first restaurant, I decided I wanted a new challenge, so I sold out of the partnership that I was in, and I decided to open up a new place. I poured my heart and soul, as well as most of my savings, into that venture. Unfortunately, the restaurant failed, and we had to shut it down. During this time, my first son was born. My wife, Robin, she was on maternity leave, so needless to say, things were a little tight. And as an aside, it was that experience that taught me the importance of having an emergency fund. As things got tighter, I also quickly realized the value of a budget. With the restaurant closed and with no income coming in, I decided it was time to leave the restaurant industry altogether. I had a business degree. I was good with numbers, and I really liked working with people. So that's when I decided to pursue a career as a financial advisor. 
This, of course, meant going back to school, signing up for courses, and then once I got hired, slowly building a practice. And because when you're first building a practice, there's not much money coming in, creating and sticking to a budget should have been priority one for us. And even though Robin and I knew it, we procrastinated. We knew we had debt. We knew that creating a budget would put a spotlight on just how tight things were. And truthfully, we were scared to face that reality. How ironic, right? Uh, here I was starting out as a financial advisor, but wasn't taking my own advice. Things really were tight, and remaining oblivious to what was going on was not smart. We knew we didn't want to continue to deepen our debt, so we bit the bullet, if you want to call it that, and we finally did it. We, we got started, and we developed our own budget. And honestly, it was such a huge relief. By taking hold of our situation and being able to clearly map out a plan of what we needed to do, everything became a lot less scary. The other positive thing that came out of it was that um, time, as time went on we, and we began to earn a little bit more money, we stuck to the idea of maintaining a budget, working towards our goals, constantly living within our means. It became part of our lifestyle. So for me, this budgeting stuff isn't simply theoretical. I do practice what I preach. So how exactly can budgeting help you? A budget is going to give you an action plan and a clear picture of where your money is ending up each month. It'll help you achieve the goals you're working towards. Having a budget, which is really just you know a detailed income and spending and savings plan, is actually the quickest way to make your money goals a reality. As I said in the intro, it doesn't matter if you're trying to get out of debt, save up for a safety net, or focus on growing your retirement nest egg. You need a budget. And uh, yes, even if you're already a millionaire, you definitely still need a budget. By the way, don't think of it as limiting your freedom because it really does give you more freedom to spend money and allocate money on, on the things most important to you and it makes your money go further. I want you to see budgeting as simply being intentional with where your money goes. When you create a budget, you can actually find more freedom to spend. Once something has been budgeted for, you'll be able to spend that money without feeling guilty. Many people say they even find extra money when they create a realistic budget and stick to it. So how amazing is that? So there's actually a couple of different or probably several different approaches to budgeting. The one that I recommend to follow is called zero-based budgeting. I like it because it's easy to implement and it's easy to follow. It's not about tracking what you've spent, but instead it's forward looking. And that's important because budgeting isn't about saying, hey, what did I spend? It's about being proactive. So what exactly is zero-based budgeting? In a nutshell, it's a way of budgeting where you start with your inflows and then you subtract all of your outflows so that they're equal to zero. With a zero-based budget, you have to make sure your expenses match what's coming in during the month and every dollar has a function. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that you have zero dollars in your bank account. It just means that the dollar value of the money coming in and the money going out are the same. You get to tell every single dollar exactly where it'll go each month. That's pretty simple, right? Let me give you an example. Say you've got um, an earning, you say you're earning $5,000 a month. You want everything you spend, save, give, or invest to add up to $5,000. That way you know exactly 
where your money's going. If you don't know where your money's going each month, you could end up setting yourself up for disaster. It's not a lot of fun to wake up one day and find you have no money and no clue where it all went. So let me walk you through how to make a zero-based budget. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down into five steps. So the first step is to determine your monthly income. Now, if you're on salary and you're paid twice a month, that's pretty easy. You, you simply double the amount of money coming into your bank account every pay. Now, if you're paid every two weeks, though, you can't do that because it's going to understate what you're actually getting every month. What you need to do is first multiply your biweekly paycheck by 26. And that's because if you're getting paid every two weeks, you're actually getting paid 26 times a year. So that's by doing when you multiply by 26, that's going to show you how much money you earn after taxes and deductions in a year. Then you simply divide by 12 to see what your net monthly income is. Now, don't forget to include, you know, small business income if you've got that. Maybe you're doing some consulting work or you've got some rental income. If you're divorced and you've got child support um, and any other cash that you've got coming in. If you're collecting pensions, be sure to include those. For those of you who are collecting RIF income, there's an important point to remember. When minimum RIF payments go out, there's no taxes withheld. In other words, not all of that money is yours because it is taxable or it can be taxable. Be sure to speak to your advisor or to your accountant to see approximately how much of that RIF payment is yours and how much should be set aside for taxes. Bottom line is, when we're calculating our income, if it's money coming in and it comes into your household's bank account, it's income. Be sure to write it down and add it all up. So that's your starting point. Now, step two. Here's where you track your fixed monthly expenses. And to make things easier for you, I've got a budget spreadsheet on my website, markshimkovitz.com. You'll find it listed under tools and templates. I'll also have a link to it in the show notes. It's a free download. You're going to write down all of your expenses, and it's very important you're, when you're going through it that you do it in categories. Everything will be included. You want to start your budget with your living essentials. So that's your food, shelter, utilities, basic clothing, transportation. After all of those essentials are covered, you'll continue on listing the rest of your fixed monthly expenses. And don't forget to plug into your budget an expense category called savings. All that expenses are, are simply commitments to pay for something that you've either already received or will receive in the future. This expense, savings, is all about paying yourself first. This is your commitment to pay for the very most important expense, but the one that you're not going to receive for a long time, and that's your retirement. So do your future self a favor and include it in your budget. Saving money isn't a matter of math. In other words, it's, it's not about whether or not you can do it. It's a matter of priorities. If you don't make saving uh, a priority at the start of your budget, chances are you won't make it a priority in the future. And look, the amount that you budget can be $50 a week, $100, or really any amount that you decide, but make it a priority. Consider this, $100 a week at 6% will grow to over $200,000 in 20 years. And that assumes that you're starting from nothing. Save $200 a week, 
and you'll have over $400,000 in 20 years. Of course, if you have debt, especially if you've got bad debt, like high interest credit cards, you'll need to take care of these first and decide how much you're going to pay off every month. This should come before anything else. Now, the third step is to write down your seasonal or I guess you could call them your, your irregular expenses. Now, think through the whole calendar. What expenses will you have coming up that you can start planning for? Regardless of the occasion, make sure you prepare for those expenses in the budget. Think about things like birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. They're, they're all set dates. They shouldn't surprise you or surprise your budget. There's no reason to act like Christmas suddenly snuck up on you. Last time I checked, it happens pretty much every year. Uh, next, think about all the irregular expenses that pop up. Plan for those too. License plate renewals, property taxes, and even your annual insurance premiums should be budgeted for. You know, if you're paying your insurance once a year and you happen to be paying $1,200 a year, I like great, you know, numbers that work well, nice and easy, um, set aside $100 a month. This way you won't feel the strain of the expense, quote unquote, blindsiding you because you planned for it. The other silent expense you should include as a line item in your budget is an emergency fund. If you own a condo, you probably know that part of your condo fees goes into a reserve fund. This is money that gets set aside for longer term maintenance or unexpected repairs. For example, when the condo lobby has a pipe that springs a leak and that's got to get repaired or, or the balconies need to be repainted. The money to fund these projects is taken from the reserve fund. It's always the unexpected things like your car tire blows or, or a broken down appliance. These are the things that throw us a curveball. So let's actually not call it an emergency fund. Let's call it a reserve fund. So by ensuring that you've got money set aside, when those unexpected things crop up, and trust me, they will, you won't have to scramble to figure out where the money's coming from. You create your reserve fund because you expect the unexpected. While capturing your regular expenses and irregular ones um, and an amount for your reserve fund are all important, I encourage you to look a little further into the future. For example, are you planning a major trip next year? Do you plan on buying a big ticket item like a TV or a household appliance? Just because an expense doesn't hit you right away doesn't mean it isn't real. So when creating a budget, you'll need to spend some time thinking about those future planned expenses and purchases, kind of like we mentioned with the insurance. What's the alternative, though? Time passes. You need to pay for the expense. What do you do? Put it on credit? Uh, no. So. Once you begin to consider your planned future expenses and monthly expenses uh, that you're prepaying, your budget starts to better reflect the reality of your present and future needs. So number four, this is the fourth step. You want to subtract your monthly expenses from your income so that they equal zero. We want this number to equal zero, but it might take some time and practice to get it there. So what do you do if you have more outflows than income? First of all, don't panic. If you don't balance out each right away, that just means you need to do something else to bring one of those numbers up or the others down or maybe a bit of both. Take a look at the categories of expenses. Prioritize them. Basic living expenses obviously should be at the top and fully covered. It'll take some work, but getting this written down is what will give you the permission to spend without regret. 
if you're spending more than you're making, trim up the budget so that your income minus your outflows equals zero. If you fill out every line item in the budget and you come out $100 ahead, meaning that you have nothing to do with that $100, you haven't finished your budget. You have to put it somewhere. Where? Well, that's, of course, up to you. Hey, it's your budget. Want to spend it? You want to put it in that spending category? More power to you. You want to increase your savings? Well, that'd be my recommendation. Regardless of what you decide to be in full control, you have to make it equal zero. And the last step, step five, is to track your expenses throughout the month. It's the only way you'll know if your spending lines up with your plan. When you track your expenses and you're intentional with your money, it becomes so fulfilling. You start to see progress towards your goal. You feel comfortable with, with your spending, savings, debt reduction. Now, that's what I call living richer. Now, one question I often get um, is related to income. And the question is, can you make a zero-based budget work with irregular income? So that's someone who's, you know, partly on commission or perhaps you're paid monthly, uh, sorry, paid hourly, uh, but don't get the same amount of hours every month. So the short answer to that is yes. If you have irregular income, don't sweat it. You can still use a zero-based budget. It just, it well, maybe takes a little bit more planning uh, with irregular income. What you want to do is start by first figuring out what your average monthly income would be and also what your low earning month would look like. You then want to build a budget around the low income figure. I then want you to make sure that you cover all your basic living expenses based on that lower number. So after all, this is the things that are most important to you. When you do get your, when you do get paid, Take that amount and then spread it out over the other items in your budget. If your paycheck doesn't cover everything you've listed on your budget, that's okay. Just start at the top of your list of priorities and work your way down. If you get another check during the month, you can pick up where you left off. If you end up with extra money after all your expenses have been paid, that's you know one of the above average months. And that's when you look at saving a little bit more. Maybe you can look at spending a little bit more or definitely paying down debts. So there you go. You've created your budget. Now you need to put it into action. If you're the type of person who likes to have designated accounts for different purposes, then you're definitely going to want to try this because it really, really works. It's also great for people like me who like to have everything automated and have a process in place. So the first thing I want you to do is go ahead and open up three accounts. You can do it with two, but three actually works really well. The first is your bills account. Um, in a sense, I want you to think about the money going into this as if it's not a, even yours. And this is the account that you're going to set up to have your paycheck go into. Uh, these are the commitments you've made and paying them is non-negotiable. In addition to debt repayment, this is going to cover all of your regular monthly bills and direct debits. The second account is the pay yourself first account. The third account is the spending account for your day-to-day -day spending. When you get paid, as I said a moment ago, make sure that the money goes directly into your bills account. This was the first account. In your budget, you'll have worked out how much money you need to keep in that account to cover all your payments for the month. If your paycheck is $5,000 a month and all of those expenses total $3,000, then you should 
set up an automatic transfer of the remaining $2,000 into the other two accounts, the Pay Yourself First account and the spending account. The Pay Yourself First account, well, that can be, you know, a tax-free savings account, an RRSP, uh, or just a regular savings account. Speak to your advisor to see which one makes the most sense to you. If you've determined that pay, you're going to be paying yourself $500 a month, then $500 will automatically go into that, and then the remaining $1,500 will go into that spending account. This is yours to spend. After all, everything else is already taken care of. And since I'm a big fan of automating the process as much as possible, I recommend that you set up your bills to be paid automatically so you don't have to think about it. That way, you can easily track, you can easily keep track of those payments and you'll only need to think about your discretionary or, or your daily spending. And I'm emphasizing the word think because the key to the process is really about being intentional with your spending. And you know, it's a good idea, at least initially, to keep track of spending throughout the week, either by jotting it down or, or um, you know, using a budget tracker. Uh, there's a lot of these apps that you can use that really work amazingly well. I know when I take the time to actually track my weekly spending, I'm usually surprised at the little things that add up. I mean, $5 for coffee, lunch out a couple of times a week, run to the drugstore. It doesn't seem like much, but once you start tracking it, I think you'll be surprised, as you know, I, I usually am, at how much money this adds up to. Uh, you know, you don't even think about it. Each week, look at where your spending is in relation to your budget. For example, if your eating out budget is $200 a month and you spend $100 in the first week, you'll need to make up for that. Keeping track of where things are weekly allows you to be proactive and to manage your budget versus being reactive. Another great thing that budgeting this way does is that it really helps you identify what your priorities are. For example, if allocating for your biggest priorities, like say uh, that big trip or a new car, that's what's most important to you, and you find that you're in the negative, you can then begin to decide, okay, well, what areas do I want to cut back on in order to be able to fund those priorities? It may be as simple as reducing the number of times you eat out each week or making your own coffee each morning instead of a daily Starbucks. If these small changes allow you to enjoy that fully paid trip next year, those decisions become a lot easier. And when it comes down to it, Creating a budget really is just simple math, but the returns are enormous. You'll begin living a lifestyle of spending mindfully and with intention. This will not only allow you to live within your means, but helps you achieve all of your goals. Okay, now it's time to wrap it up with my three key takeaways from today. Number one. Creating and sticking to a zero-based budget is one of the most powerful things you can do to build your wealth. Number two, when building your budget, don't just look at the immediate expenses. Just because an expense doesn't happen right away doesn't mean it isn't real. And every month is different. Some months you're going to have to budget for things like back-to-school supplies or regular car maintenance. Other months you'll be saving for things like vacation, birthdays, holidays, Regardless of the occasion, make sure you prepare for those expenses in your budget. And number three, probably should have made this number two, 
Pay yourself first. Include a line item for savings in your budget. When you start to develop your budget, begin with the most important categories first. Saving is at the top of the list together with your basic living expenses, and that's food, shelter, utilities, basic clothing, and transportation. After your true necessities are taken care of, then you can fill in the rest of the categories with your budget to make you happy. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. We definitely covered a lot of great information. I'm excited to keep coming back and sharing with you, connecting with you, and helping you build your wealth. If you like what you heard so far, be sure to hit the subscribe button so all of the latest podcasts show up in your player. And if you know of someone who would benefit from what we're talking about, please feel free to share with them. We'll be coming to you every week with a new podcast. And uh, feel free to connect with me if you've got any questions or if there's topics that you'd like me to cover. You can reach out to me through my website, markshimkovitz.com, or by email, mark.shimkovitz at raymondjames.ca. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on Living Richer. Information in this podcast is from sources believed to be reliable. However, we cannot represent that it is accurate or complete. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Raymond James Advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. The views are those of Mark Shankovitz and not necessarily those of Raymond James Limited. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerance before making any investment decision. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member of Canadian Investor Protection.